Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert to buy now. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. From UFOs to ghosts and government cover-ups, history is riddled with unexplained events. You can turn back now or learn the stuff they don't want you to know. Hello, welcome back to the show. My name is Ben. And I'm Noel. Surprise. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, the very same super producer, Noel Brown, who only usually shows up at the end uh, of the episode. Sometimes you might interject when, when you have to say, like, guys, no, that was Bjork. Well, I try to avoid it if I can. <laughs> Sometimes I'm called forth to do so. So longtime listeners, you will know that uh, in our last episode, last week, we mentioned that uh, the better half of the show, in my opinion, uh, Matt Frederick, is, is going to take a little bit of time off to be a dad. This is true. Yeah, it's a, it's a big it's a big deal. And uh, as far as we know, everything is fine. We'll keep you updated when we're hearing things. But uh, Matt, as always, is with us in spirit. And we'll see if we can talk him into some cameos uh, during his... During, during his um, vacation. I guess it's the opposite of a vacation. It's a new career. It's a staycation. It's a staycation. It's a staycation. Maybe we can Skype him in or something. Yeah, maybe we yeah. could Skype him in. Or maybe we can just show up at his house, right? Nothing creepy about that. Nothing at all. No, I'm sure his wife will be thrilled. <laughs> I'm sure she will, especially the surprise aspect. We're, right, we'll go late at night. Diana will love it. And we'll just we'll scratch on the ga- glass Salem lot style. Yeah, we'll wear ski masks. No big deal. Well, sure, yeah, yeah. That's what you do. Because what's more scary than seeing like a bright face in the dark? You want to 
You want to keep it. You just w- want the eyes. You just subtle. want to see the disembodied, floating, creepy eyes. In the right. Yeah. 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 I I think that's <laughs> I think that's a foolproof plan, and our hearts are in the right place. Uh, Noel, I wanted to say thank you so much for coming on the show and making this whole thing a uh, moment with Noel. I know that I kind of cajoled you into it, but I, I appreciate you agreeing. Yeah, there was a little arm twisting. It was minimal, though. <laughs> there was a little arm okay. twisted. Uh, so today, what are we talking about? We are talking about celebrity death conspiracies, I suppose, or just celebrity deaths. I don't know. Well, we can, we can, uh, we can say that they should be, we can, we can say that there are conspiracy theories. Right. And we can say that there are definitely celebrity deaths, right? We're talking about several different things. That's true. Uh, so we're going to give a, an overview of some of this stuff. Here's the thing, Noel. In an increasingly secular age, right? You and I have talked about this before off air. Uh, people don't worship gods or demigods the way they used to. You know, there used to be what, uh, umpteen temples to Dionysus or, or, uh, you know, all the stories of Hercules were told across the land. And now that the world has become a little more secular, celebrities have elevated to this sort of mythical role, right? Sure. So today we're taking a closer look at, at this obsession with celebrities. And, and first we'd like to look at a specific and odd type of conspiracy theory. Yeah, so the this, there's this idea that a celebrity would fake his or her own death uh, in order to escape public scrutiny. And this comes up a lot. Mm-hmm. Tupac or Elvis, mm-hmm. Jim Morrison, the list just goes on and on and on. Mm-hmm. Um, and second, the idea that some celebrity deaths were the result of a conspiracy or some sort of sinister, murky explanation that differs from official accounts, you know, like Michael Jackson or Kurt Cobain. Oh, yeah, yeah. So they actually did die. We're just talking about how they died, how right? they died, exactly. The official reports not necessarily being what actually took place. And then third, we're going to look at how someone might actually fake their own death and whether it's possible in the modern age. Yeah, that's that's going to be interesting. And, oh, we should put a disclaimer out right now. Ladies and gentlemen, neither super producer uh, Noel the Madman Brown nor uh, me, myself, or I, or even Matt, as a matter of fact, no one mm-hmm. is condoning faking your own death. Uh, the stuff that you would have to do is, well, you'll see, no spoilers, but uh, it would probably be easier just to disappear. I'll go out on a limb and say that if you were able to successfully do that, I would give you a tip of the hat personally, just because, I mean, it's such an insane feat to be able to pull off these Right, things. right. I'm not yeah. saying, you know, you should do it, but... Pretty impressive thing to pull. It off. is an impressive. It is an impressive thing. It's like it's like stealing a space shuttle and making it to space mm-hmm. is is so many different kinds of illegal, but still, it's impressive. And then like coming back from space and parking it in your one car garage and having nobody notice. Wow. Right. Yeah, I guess that's about the same level. Yeah, um, and put a mustache on the shuttle. Of course, disguise it. So let's talk about. The first, the, the first type, the idea that someone could fake their deaths. Now, you know, I was born in, uh, Tennessee. My family's from the hinterlands mm-hmm. of, of the Appalachia. So Elvis, uh, Presley, big deal. And all the, um, all the theories that swirl around this guy. The lore, if you will. The lore, that's the perfect word. So one thing that I always heard growing up was that Elvis Presley was also a Melungeon, which people just, Often when someone gets famous in Tennessee, there will be people going, yeah, you know, he's a, he's a Melungeon. 
You know, I didn't know what melangins were until you told me pretty recently. Maybe catch up some of the listeners in case they don't know either. Oh, did we talk about this? I'm not sure. Huh. Okay. Well, uh, my family is, uh, melangin on my dad's side. And the melangins are what are, what were originally called a triracial isolate. That's the kind of thing they were. And for a long time in, uh, Tennessee history or, Eastern Tennessee history, to use the word that you used so well earlier, there was this lore about Melungeons, and they weren't, uh, they were considered ethnically ambiguous. You can check it out to learn more online. Uh, it's spelled M-E-L-U-N-G-E-O-N-S. So how does the king figure into all this? So, uh, thank you for bringing it back. Yeah, the king, Elvis Presley, considered to be a Melungeon, but he was one of the most popular celebrities in um, at the time, for sure, but possibly in American history, and he was born. Um, let's see, we have his uh, we have his birth and death date, right? Yeah. So Elvis Presley was born on January eighth, nineteen thirty five, mm-hmm. and he died on August sixteenth, nineteen seventy seven. Or did he? Or did he? Yeah, he probably did. But um, so how he died uh, <laughs> right. is it was a suspected drug overdose, so, right? Yeah, you know, he was. Pretty, it was pretty common knowledge that, that Elvis was, was popping some serious sedatives. Um, his, his personal doctor, Dr. Nicopolis, prescribed him as much as 10,000 doses of sedatives, amphetamines, and narcotics. And I'm, I'm guessing that's in a, year. a year's time. Yeah. 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 That's bananas. Uh, so it's, it's strange because, you know, this was considered a national and personal catastrophe for Thousands and thousands of people. Okay, so yes, when he when he dies, when he is declared dead, the sixteenth, nineteen seventy seven, people are uh, people are floundering to figure out what's happening, and they don't want their favorite celebrity to be dead. So they come up with these ideas about what really happened. Uh, we know that there was already some controversy because a medical examiner named Dr. Jerry Francisco said that the cause of death was cardiac arrhythmia, but you can only determine that condition in a living person. So if you guess about the, like if you try to speculate on that, it gets messy really quickly. Right. I mean, arrhythmia is is this idea that your heart is not beating the correct tempo or the correct, it's it's an irregular heartbeat. Mm -hmm. So how can you detect an irregular heartbeat in a non-beating heart? Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah, perfect. And in... 2010, however, we have a wrinkle to the story because that doctor you mentioned earlier returns. Mm-hmm. So in 2010, um, his friend and former personal physician, Dr. Nicopolis, said he believed that chronic constipation, not cardiac arrhythmia, is what uh, knocked the king off his throne. Oh. So, yeah. So this this is a case where the... The examiners, the investigators. That's not a pretty image. I'm sorry. No. I just know, man. Yeah. No. I know no one wants to go that way. Yeah, because this was, this was fat Elvis too. I mean, he was, you know, looking a little worse for wear in those days. He had lived a hard life and he was, uh, he's being cheated by the colonel. Yeah. You know, eating peanut butter and banana sandwiches mm -hmm, and shooting the television. I read that he went to, uh, there was this one place who I read a lot about the sandwiches he ate. In preparation for this show, but he that went, is an acceptable research. Point. <laughs> he went to uh, there was this one sandwich he loved, which was an entire loaf of bread hollowed out with like a jar of peanut butter 
And You're making this up. No, I'm not. I'm going to find the name of it. It's more like a cake. But he wasn't eating healthy. He wasn't living in a healthy manner. And, probably wasn't leaving the house particularly often. Right. Probably wasn't, um, pro- probably wasn't functioning very well on an emotional or social level. Because, well, I mean, with 10,000 doses of sedatives, et right. cetera, et cetera, it's probably a pretty difficult thing to do. So there are a... We're a family show, so I'll say a boatload of people who do not believe the official story. They say, no, Elvis Presley faked his death to get away from the financial troubles caused by his manager, the colonel, to get away from the constant grind of fame, to go somewhere and maybe dry out and stop popping pills, and that he faked his death and goes by the name John Burroughs. Because there was a guy named John Burroughs, apparently, who resembled Elvis and brought a, bought a plane ticket from Memphis to Buenos Aires, Chile, uh, the day after Elvis was declared dead. Dun dun. <laughs> dun dun dun. That's the one, yeah. And this was only the beginning of numerous Elvis sightings over the years following decades. I know people, Noel, who claim to have seen Elvis Presley and believe it was Elvis Presley. Well, they believe it. Well, now, like circa, when did they when did they see these? Uh, before you and I were born. Before you and I were so born. this would be so like possibly before the Elvis impersonation thing was as right. Big as that's the thing I was like, yeah. There was an Elvis. Uh, th- there are so many sightings, right? That there's an Elvis sighting society that was established in like '89, and I love that point about the impersonators, Elvis impersonators. So. That's what I always think, don't you? When you see, when you hear somebody say, "Oh, I, I saw Elvis." Yeah. You, you were in Vegas during the Elvis convention. Right. Of course, you saw. Exactly. Uh, and then uh, we've got a we've got a neat um, guess here, though. If Elvis were alive today, how old would he be? So, if Elvis were alive today, he would be. Wait for it. Eighty years old. Eighty years old. Eighty years old. Oof, I don't know, man. You think, uh, think the king would come back? I mean, if he did, he certainly wouldn't be able to do any of his, uh, signature dance moves without, you know, breaking a hip. Yeah, no hips. Yeah. Couldn't do the hips. Uh, probably have to be a little more laid back acoustic. I think so too. The, the, the funny thing, not funny, the interesting thing, um, that's been occurring to me when we've been talking about this is this, the similarities between the Elvis situation and a much more recent celebrity death that will likely spawn many conspiracy theories as time goes on. Sure already has, I'm not aware of, Mm -hmm. but it's of course Michael Jackson. Very similar circumstances. I mean, he, you know, was in horrible debt, had been used and abused by his uh, handlers and his Mm -hmm. management and his family. Isolated. Isolated, depressed, had a personal doctor of suspicious moral you know, fiber, yeah, fiber, right. Who was just giving him bukus of whatever it was that he wanted, supposedly to help him sleep, but honestly, probably just to dope him into submission, so he didn't have to think about all the horrible stuff that yeah. he had to deal with. Yeah, Michael and, Jackson uh, is is a very similar play- case. I'm, I'm glad you point that out. And again, also like an example of someone that was just that just achieved just you know, extra human levels of fame, like to the point where it was all he knew. That was his entire existence from being a child. He always was in the spotlight. He knew nothing else. I mean, Elvis obviously had a bit of a normal life for a while, but when he hit, I mean, he hit so hard that it was just like his past was practically irrelevant. Yeah, that you know, that's a good point. Uh, Michael Jackson, born uh, 1958, <clears throat> August 29th, so he's an August birthday too, and 
uh, declared dead June 25th, 2009, and he was declared dead of an acute drug overdose, um, some drugs that I've, I've never heard of or tried. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer? Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house. And I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Yeah, I mean, from what I've read, propofol is some sort of, like, um, anesthesia, uh, actually. Maybe... Double check me on that, but uh-huh. I believe I was reading an article about it where they were talking. It was just an odd thing to prescribe in the way that it was being quote unquote prescribed. I mean, at right. that point, when it's your personal doctor, there's just no checks and balances. Oh. You can pretty much do what you want. Oh, you know what? It's also, um, I believe it's also, uh, considered a hypnotic amnesthetic agent. Right. So it, okay, general anesthesia, um, for something you would give a person going in for a procedure, you know, of some kind. Wow. Probably not typically used just to make, you know, zombify a celebrity. Right. Yeah, that's that's very strange. So the conspiracy there is is similar. Um and well this conspiracy is a little different here. The theory is that his doctor uh, personally and purposefully killed him. But yeah, do you have any info as to to what end? I mean, did he have 
irons in the fire as far that as he was know, paid getting financial you know that he was paid by the backs. family that was one of that was one of them or you'll hear people say that he was paid by the um that he was paid by a record label or you will hear that he was um just negligent um so he actually went to jail dr conrad murray that's his name he went to he went to jail for Killing Michael Jackson, and he was released in October 2013. Wasn't there a civil suit of some kind? I believe so. Uh, he served two years of a four-year sentence for causing um, Michael Jackson's death. Right. And uh, these these kind of conspiracy theories that sl- that grew up around this are, um, as far as I can tell, not substantiated with any hard evidence yet. Yeah, I mean, the thing about that is it does, you, you hear about celebrities like, for example, James Brown. I actually grew up in Augusta, Georgia. Mm-hmm. And James Brown, when he was alive, was his worst enemy. Like, he wouldn't allow his music to be used in certain ways. You know, he insisted on being his own boss and managing all his business affairs pretty directly. And consequently, he wasn't the greatest at it. I feel like, when he passed away, it opened up a lot of opportunities for, you know, his music to be used posthumously in a way that was never possible when he was alive. That mm-hmm. is very similar to me as to what happened with Michael Jackson. You know, he, his catalog is a lot more valuable to the people, you know, in a position to benefit from it after he passed away than when he was alive. Right. Yeah. That's, that's a very, that's a very disturbing, but accurate point. The, the thing with, uh, Michael Jackson stuff is there's another Elvis cons- Elvis-esque conspiracy mm-hmm. that he's not dead. You can actually visit websites like michaeljacksonnotdead.wordpress. Wow. And, uh, That's they, original. Yeah. And they talk about that, uh, that if you look at it, the facts don't add up and that the behavior of the family indicates that he's alive. They're somehow in on it. Uh, but I think that. I, I think that part of it is just because of the importance a celebrity occupies in the secular world. Now, I don't know. I don't know. It's quite possible. And I use the word possible very carefully. It's not quite possible, Noel. I'm sorry. It's like mathematically approaching 0% possible uh-huh. that Michael Jackson could be listening to our show right now, in which case you can always write to us. Yeah. And we'll, we'll, uh, We'll tell the story. Sure. Uh, uh, just another one real quick. Uh, Andy Kaufman, right? You heard about that? Sure. Oh, I love Andy Kaufman. Yeah. Andy Kaufman was uh, supposed to have, according to some internet rumors, uh, faked his death. Someone went online a while back and said, hey, uh, I'm Andy Kaufman. I faked my death. And we received an email from a guy uh, purporting to have the information about how Andy Kaufman faked his death. We followed up on it, but nothing really came of it. And so with that guy, I have to wonder, without going into details, I have to wonder if maybe Kaufman was passing away and knew he was going to die and told his friends, hey, in like a few years, pretend to meet me and, and say that I faked my death. Because mm-hmm. that sounds like a great, that sounds like well, something he would do. I mean, are you, are you familiar with this character, Tony Clifton? Tony Clifton. Yeah, so he was sort of this kind of boorish 
entertainment, like, manager type, like, sort of a, like a nightclub promoter type character. Oh, okay, yeah. Um, so Kaufman would play him in a fat suit and, like, a, you know, mustache and, like, really greasy hair kind of look. And he was just kind of a troll, you know, he would just do shows as Tony Clifton and just completely <laughs> troll the audience. And it wasn't exactly funny if you weren't in on the joke. And that's the thing about Andy Kaufman is a lot of times nobody was in on the joke until much, much, much later. And that right. was, so he was in a lot of ways doing these things for himself. But that's why it's sort of like now it, it became apparent. Um, this was in that biopic, uh, Man on the Moon, mm-hmm. um, with Jim Carrey mm-hmm. that he wasn't always the one playing Tony Clifton. Sometimes it would be his friend and uh, I believe manager Bob Zamuda. Whoa. Who would also play the character very convincingly, you know, similarly to the way uh, Kaufman would play him. And in recent years, that character has kind of popped up again here and there. So Kaufman was always the kind of quote unquote comedian that was, you know, multiple steps ahead of his audience. And that's right. why he, you know, he definitely had some success, obviously, but kind of left a lot of general audience types scratching their heads. Mm-hmm. And he definitely laid the groundwork for what some could argue, you know, <laughs> uh, would be a successful faking of one's own death. Yeah, you know, that's that's a good point. And there was some recent news about this that's a little, that's a little strange. So Bob Zamuda, you know, wrote a book called Andy Kaufman, The Truth Finally, and it's a, it alleges that Kaufman's death was this prank and it's finally coming out. He actually appeared on a podcast, uh, Fitz Dog Radio, where he told, uh, the host, Greg Fitzsimmons, uh, that he had invested like 50 grand in the book, but then they got in a, uh, they got in an argument, Noel, and, and Zamuda apparently stormed off the show because, uh, Fitzsimmons, as, as it turns out, uh, doubted Samuda's intentions. So people, um, people were doubting both sides of it. They were doubting that Kaufman was dead, but they were also doubting that Samuda's story was accurate. We leave that to you to decide if you want to, uh, if, if you want to come to your own conclusions, we'd love to hear what you think. Is it just a, um, a posthumous prank or is it something, something much, much different, you know? Uh, but that's that's Andy Kaufman for you. Yeah, I mean, he is a perfect example of uh, an unreliable narrator. Uh, if he's <laughs> yeah. talking about himself, no one knows if he's telling the truth ever. You know, I mean, the yeah. guy when he was on Taxi, you know, washed dishes at the deli next door just for kicks, just because he thought it was funny, kind of. You know, yeah, I mean, it was very very interesting figure. And and Taxi, just on a side note, has one of my favorite uh, intro songs. That's great. Isn't it great? Mm-hmm. Uh, so, <laughs> I don't know why I said, like, isn't it great as though we were going to disagree and I no. was going to storm off the show. It's, it's right up there with MASH. MASH is good, too. I like, you know, I find that I enjoy the themes to sitcoms much more than I enjoy the actual show. <laughs> That's fair. I Yeah, I think I might have a problem. So, uh, speaking of problems, you know who else has one? Tupac Shakur. He either has a problem because he's dead or he has a problem because he is in hiding. So uh, can you tell us a little bit about Tupac? Sure. Why not? Uh, Tupac Shakur was born on June 16th, 1971, and he died, um, supposedly, on September 13th, 1996. Um, how he died was from multiple gunshot wounds, uh, and the official story was that it involved gang activity. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, just past 11 p.m. September 7th, 1996, 
Uh, the, he is in a car with Suge Knight at the intersection of Flamingo Road and Koval Lane. Uh, and they were idling at the red light and a white Cadillac rolled. I'm sorry, this is in Vegas? Uh, yes, yes, this is in Vegas, yeah. And they rolled up, uh, to the passenger side and they fired. And Tupac, uh, was hit four times. One bullet critically punctured his lung. Suge Knight, for the most part, was unharmed. That's the, I think he had injuries from bullet fragments. That's the official story. But, of course, that's only the beginning of the unofficial story, which is that people, people not only believe Tupac Shakur faked his death, they also believe that, uh, he left clues in his albums about his, uh, about his plan to fake his death. Mm. Like the Machiavelli things and, and you can, you can go, uh. I thought the Machiavelli record didn't come out until after he had passed. Right. That's part of why people okay. thought it was a, a clue. I would like to point out that if you really want to fake your death in a believable way, leaving clues to glo- in globally distributed albums is not the best way to do it. No. You know? No. Uh, but there's a, there's an interesting addendum to this because, um, Suge Knight himself at one point said that he doesn't believe, uh, Pac is dead. He thinks Pac's somewhere else. He said nobody has seen Tupac dead. And, uh, he, this is Suge Knight. There's a quote. The person who supposedly cremated Tupac, this guy got about $3 million personally for me, cash. And next thing I know, I never heard from the guy or seen him again. He retired and left. I'm sorry. Why did Suge Knight give this man $3 million? And it's kind of vague. I know. <laughs> I guess he just. I don't you know, understand how that's like a justification or like that. Catch him on a good day. I know now it sounds like Suge is implying, Suge Knight is implying that he helped cover up the, the, well, that, yeah, escape. I guess that is the implication, sure. So one week after Tupac was pronounced dead, a thousand people from Haiti called police saying they have seen Tupac. Uh, other, other people. A thousand people? Yeah, yeah. Uh, other people have, you can find some, um, you can find all kinds of websites where they're laying out the evidence of these sorts of things, right? So for people who really do believe um, that Tupac Shakur faked his death and left clues in his music, one of the things I used to hear was the idea of like, oh, well, he's just waiting for the statute of limitations to expire. On what? Right. On on uh, fake homicide? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't think that's – I don't think that uh, – that doesn't sound like it makes sense, no. you know. And I'm not a lawyer, but it doesn't sound like it would actually equate to uh, any kind of enforceable crime or unenforceable. Here's a question. Mm. Is it illegal to fake your own death? <laughs> uh, I guess it depends on how you go about it. Right. It's certainly illegal to do it for the purposes of getting insurance of money, yeah. right? But I mean, is it considered some form of fraud if you're, if you're literally just lying to people and, and fabricating stories? If you're just doing it for fun? Yeah. Uh, I don't think it is unless it, unless it impinges upon their the rights, rights in a, in a sure. certain way. But uh-huh. if you, if you want to fake your own death and you want to do it as a prank over the weekend. Uh-huh. First off, you are a messed up person. <laughs> you're a messed up person. Uh, but, but secondly, you know, if you're not like, if you damage property while you do it right. or if, or if a law is broken because or of what you have done, or something is right. Sure. Then I'm sure that would be easier to prosecute. But I don't know if just faking your own death 
and then coming back and saying, ah, psych, sucker. I don't know if that actually is illegal or if it's just a massive dick move. Well, I mean, I could imagine that if there was police investigation involved, yeah, that you could be held responsible sure. yeah, for that the wasted sense. man hours or wasted right. resources that got poured into looking into whether or not you got murdered by mm-hmm. gang activity or not. You know? Right. You know, that's a good point. I think I'm going to have to re rethink my weekend. Well, yeah, obviously, there's lots of different ways these things can happen. So, so what do you think about the idea of Kurt Cobain? Uh, Kurt, uh, Kurt Cobain, of course, uh, passed away after a self-inflicted gunshot wound, mm-hmm. right? Have you seen the new crime scene photos that just came out? I have not. They're very interesting. I don't know that they necessarily reveal anything new, but they're just, they're very, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? I don't know. They're just, they're, they're, they've got a very haunting quality to them for sure. Are they gruesome? No, there's definitely no blood. You just see, you see that he's still wearing the wristband from the rehab facility that he had just left. Like you see his arm, oh. you see his box, his drug box with all his, you know, the needles and little packets of heroin and, you know, uh, pharmaceutical grade things that are in there. Um, you see his suicide note that's sort of, uh, I think it's, it's in like a plant, a planter or something like with a pen, like there's a pen stuck through it and it's, it's kind of stuck onto something like that. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, you just, it's, it just, it just gives you a sense of, of the scene that's a lot more vivid than, you know, what had been uh, out there in the past. But to me, it definitely jives with a lot of the, the reports of, of what went down. Obviously, one of the conspiracy theories here is that his um, his wife had something to do with it. Right. That, uh, that Courtney Love, oh, uh, Kurt Cobain, born February 20th, 1967, passed away April 5th, 1994. Uh, investigators say that he, I think, sustained the gunshot wound on April 3rd. So he might have been alive for a little while afterwards. Yeah, so people believe that Courtney Love was involved in arranging for, actually arranging for a homicide mm-hmm. rather than a suicide. Uh, Nick Broomfield had a documentary called Kurt and Courtney where a guy named Eldon Hoke, uh, also known as El Duce, mm. uh, singer of uh, a band called The Mentors, said that Courtney Love talked him in a record store and offered to pay him 50 grand to kill Kurt Cobain. Here's what doesn't jive with me about that. I mean, mm. the, the, the man is a known narcotics addict. Why, right. why fake a, a suicide, self-inflicted gunshot wound? Why not just tie him up and shoot him up with too much heroin and, mm-hmm. and have it be an overdose. No one would bat an eyelash at that. You know, that's, yeah, that's, that's another thing because if you think about it, heroin addiction is, and this is maybe a, this is maybe a disturbing thing to say, Noel, but heroin addiction itself is a slow suicide. Absolutely. And I mean, and you know, Kurt and Courtney had it bad. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've seen Montage of Heck, which is the more recent documentary that was, very strangely sanctioned by Courtney Love and the the Cobain estate in that they got access to a lot of interesting mm-hmm. archival footage of him as a child and like, you know, as a teenager playing guitar and things like that. But the most telling stuff in the documentary is the uh, footage that Kurt and Courtney made of each other, whether they were before they had their child, um, when they had their child and every single moment they are mm. out of their minds on 
heroin. They're they're oh, just wow. they're nodding out constantly. They're just acting completely insane. You know, there are scenes where they're holding their child, and you see Kurt just like his eyelids drooping and just kind of like you know his head bobbing up and down, and it's just it's very very disturbing. So mm-hmm. I mean, my point is that these two you know people, it's it's a very sad thing. Um, but they were very much in the throes of this addiction, you know, throughout this period and up to Kurt's death. So mm-hmm. I just, I would say if you were going to fake, if you were going to have somebody like Kurt Cobain killed, I think there would be easier ways to do it than having him, you know, shoot himself. Right. It seems like it would be more likely he would decide to do it uh, impulsively. And he apparently, according to Love, had suicide attempts before. But you know who does not believe the official story? A private investigator named Tom Grant, right? I don't know about this. Oh, well, he uh, he was, from what I understand, he was hired uh, by Courtney Love after Kurt Cobain went missing from rehab. And he has a website called CobainCase.com where you can go if you want to learn more about it. He says that after months of investigation and interviews, he believes that Courtney Love and her live-in nanny, Michael DeWitt, conspired to kill Cobain. Mm-hmm. But his his uh, central arguments are um, fairly detailed. Is this the one about the angle of the gun or the way, like, didn't he use, like, a ruler or something to, like, the mm-hmm. jammed where the, um, what is it called, the... the the hammer, or mm-hmm. whatever, like he was able to kick the thing out, and that's what caused the gun to go off. I, anyway, I'm not sorry to interrupt. No, 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 no. You're exactly right. He he has uh, he has amassed a great deal of what I, I think he feels is conclusive evidence. And for a while, especially given uh, your age and my age, uh, you know, we were we were around when that guy was incredibly popular and passed away, and a lot of my friends just believed that. He did not commit suicide. Um, and our, you know, now we're talking about this. Our, um, one of our editors, Allison Loudermilk, uh, told me a really interesting thing. She said that, uh, she had run across this theory that music labels and the music industry conspires to kill musicians in their early twenties so that they own the rights to their music. Yeah, I mean, similar to what I was talking about mm. with Michael Jackson and yeah. James Brown. And mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know that there's a conspiracy theory about James Brown's death, but similar. You know, yeah. It makes it makes sense from a financial perspective, especially if you have an uncooperative, quote-unquote, artist. Ah, that's right, yeah. So Kurt was definitely that. <laughs> and then uh, just, just, for, uh, just for adequate representation of Matt Frederick, mm-hmm. we have to mention – one of his favorite ones, which is the idea that Paul McCartney died in a car accident earlier into the Beatles' career and was replaced by a lookalike, mm-hmm. and that somehow, for decades, no one has burst that bubble. Turn me on, dead man. Right, <laughs> right. yeah, 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 exactly. And uh, that one, I think, is more of a pop culture phenomenon, uh, but let's talk for a moment about why people believe these things. We talked about several different celebrities. We've talked about several different theories about their deaths, either a cover up or um, it didn't occur. Uh, so why, why uh, is the population so interested in these stories? 
Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. I feel like people want a mystery. People people just don't want things to be so cut and dry, especially when it comes with comes to what is essentially as we said at the beginning of the episode, the modern equivalent of a, a god, you know, right, someone yeah. puts so much energy into loving and consuming every piece of media that these people, you know, produce that they just they want they either want to believe that they're still alive or they want to believe that some nefarious, you know, shadowy thing is responsible for mm. taking away this person, you know, from them. Because Which, it's a yeah. very personal relationship with musicians, you know what I mean? That's a very good point. And and in the in defense of that point, we have to also acknowledge that it is completely possible for a cover up of uh the actual circumstances of a death to occur. Absolutely. I feel like that's a lot more common. Common. Right. Yeah, a lot more sure. plausible. Well, yeah, and that's because people have things to gain. I don't understand right. what a celebrity has to gain by quote unquote faking their own death. In almost all of these situations, that's the thing that, that leaves me 
cold. I just don't see the benefit to the celebrity in doing right. these things. Right, especially when consider uh, the facts about faking a death. Fact number one, it is tough. It is way tougher than a lot of people might think. Especially and, today. Yeah, especially today. And each year it's just going to become more difficult because of all the breadcrumbs we leave around. And look, you don't have to own a cell phone. You don't have to have a Gmail account or a laptop or a, I don't, a Fitbit, whatever. The mere fact that you are surrounded by other people who do means that you are able to be tracked. The prevalence of CCTVs, and I know it sounds like paranoia, Noel, but it's only paranoia if you ascribe some sort of motivation to the monitoring. I think this is just how how things are going to work. Privacy is not long for this world, and historically, it it didn't start very uh, long ago either. Right. Uh, privacy may end up being just this anomalous social blip, but that means that. In the, in, if this were the 1950s, you and I could, uh, say that we're going on, uh, a, a road trip to Vegas because we're going to film the Elvis convention, right? Uh, sounds like fun. Yeah. Well, he would still be alive. So maybe we're just going to see Elvis, right? And we're going to film it for our show or something. And then. We would take a car, we'd liquidate all our assets, we would, uh, make sure that the car, we would, we would abandon the car, or we would, uh, dispose of it in a, in a very dangerous area or a very spectacular way that would leave no remains, and then we just never would show up to Vegas. I mean, we could also never talk to anyone we knew ever again, mm-hmm. we couldn't talk to each other, we would be ghosts. It just seems so messy, it just like, what, <laughs> you know, why? Mm-hmm. Why not just withdraw, just, you know, Buy an island. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> you know, why? Just say, to... I want to be alone. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No more interviews. It's pretty easy. I mean, eventually the press is going to get tired of camping out on your lawn, you know? Right. Uh, because one person who did retire from public life, there's a great example of that, would be J.D. Salinger. Mm-hmm. Uh, J.D. Salinger uh, notoriously didn't publish anything for a very long time, and he was granting interviews uh, sometimes at his home in Cornish Flats, New Hampshire, but only to, uh, pretty female <laughs> students. <laughs> so, uh. That's not weird. Yeah, there's nothing, there's nothing creepy about that. But look, if we, uh, okay, let's take our case. If, even if we had all the, all the stuff in order, all our ducks in a row, it'd be very difficult for us to disappear on our own. And we're not celebrities. So a celebrity, a well-known person whose face can be identified, that person is going to have a much, much more difficult time. Absolutely. You know, you'd have to get plastic surgery and, and just even for you and I or you listeners, but again, not saying you should do it, you need to be aware that faking your death requires planning, discipline, a boatload of money. Did you like that? <laughs> and uh, and even if you do everything perfectly, you're still going to need an unbelievable amount of luck. I've been watching the show. I know you have two Narcos on uh, Netflix. Oh yeah, it's fantastic. Oh, there's it's a, great. There's a great. It's sort of like when Escobar is on the run. 
just the amount, the sheer amount of effort it requires on his part to not get caught. And granted, it wouldn't be exactly the same if you were to fake your own death. People wouldn't necessarily be on a manhunt for you. Sure, but, but still. You know, there, there, are, there are things that are related. But there's a great line from the main DEA officer where it's something like, you know, criminals on the run have to get lucky every time. Mm-hmm. And we, as those that are chasing them, only have to get lucky once. Yeah, I remember that. I think that says that that applies here. Because, I mean, yeah. you just, it would be the same thing. It would be like being on the lam. You could never let your guard down. I just, unless you were, I just don't understand the point. It doesn't right. make sense to me. Right. And perhaps there's something else to the story we don't know, I guess, sure. if, if I'm Absolutely. trying to be reasonable no, with no. it. But you you make an excellent point also. I love that line from Narcos, too. Um yeah, I think we were talking about that off air mm-hmm. one time, right? Uh, we had a narco fan club meeting. Uh, so there's, there's something else. So if you need all this money, right? You need this influence. Um, and you need to keep it very secret. Then that means you need power. And the people who are most capable of faking their own deaths, I think are more likely to be fallen heads of state, maybe even assisted by another country's intelligence agency. Right. Absolutely. And uh, that's where we get those theories about Adolf Hitler escaping to South America after World War Two. Uh, we know that Nazis and uh, members of the Nazi party did escape. And we're so much more at stake in those situations. Right. It's right. Completely different. And if you're if you're all right, if we have time for tangent. I just want to talk about the the Hitler skull stuff, please. Yeah. OK. So in a lot of uh, the biographies we read about. Hitler and how Hitler's death happened, it's suicide, right? Sure. Like he and, uh, Eva. Yeah, Eva Braun, uh, they, he takes a cyanide pill, shoots himself, they both kill each other, but, um, it looks like Hitler's death need, might need to be rewritten and left open-ended because researchers claim that the, uh, skull fragment that had been secretly preserved by Soviet intelligence for decades, actually belonged to a woman under 40. And this story was announced in 2009. So maybe this means that, uh, may, maybe this means that something different happened to the body. Mm-hmm. To some people, it means he got away. Uh, but this, this idea, this open-ended thing, I don't know, man. It just seems more likely to me that someone who was in charge of a country or a Pablo Escobar or something would uh, have the means to fake their death, you know? Absolutely. And I mean, you know, in this situation, it, you could almost argue that it is more of the cover up where it's, you know, the the folks that were responsible for taking him alive or making sure that he, you know, perished. Right didn't do the job, didn't get the job done, so they had to cover their butts, you know, with mm-hmm. a fake skull of some kind and never let it be known, you know. know. Yeah. Or maybe or or maybe the the way in which he was killed was not suicide and they were covering up the manner of the death. I don't know, it's strange. It reminds me of the Osama bin Laden episode that mm-hmm. we did last week. Uh what okay that that goes into such a good question too, man. Because how can you really know what happens if there's not evidence of a body? In all of the cases that we have described so far, there have been allegations of kind of hinky. I guess Chuck would say hinky mm-hmm. uh, autopsies. That's a good word. Yeah, you know, it's, it's fun to say. It's it's his word. It weirds me out, but I'll use it. I think it applies. Yeah, I like it. <laughs> uh, 
So how much can you know for witnesses to these deaths? Questions about faking a death or a cover up might sound profoundly offensive. You know what I mean? Like what if what uh like in the case of the Kurt Cobain suicide stuff, if he just committed suicide on his own due to uh, whatever factors, right? Then and you were his surviving um the the mother of his child mm-hmm. you know that that's a pretty damaging thing sure. to experience for people to say you killed him absolutely you know and and so i i i understand why that would be offensive and we're certainly not trying to offend any survivors of uh that kind of situation whether a celebrity or someone in your own life because celebrities in the modern world again are not treated as human as human beings if i can yeah. just piggyback off of your tangent for a second, especially with the Courtney Love situation. She is a perfect example of kind of a scapegoat because people just didn't like her very much. They didn't like their like friends in their circle, in Kurt's circle. Oh, in her personal life? Yeah, felt like she was a bad influence or felt like, you know, she wasn't good for him oh. and, and things like that, you know, like especially. So one of Kurt's oldest friends, uh, Buzz Osborne from the band The Melvins, mm-hmm. um, he has come out uh, and of this documentary montage of heck kind of said that it was a lot of it was complete bogus, complete fabrication. And he's also said that Kurt would never have killed himself. And that a lot of the stuff that he says in the movie where you hear him talking on these uh, cassette recordings or answering machine tapes, he sounds very morose and very like, you know, uh, having this existential crisis and just sounds completely, you know, depressed. He says a lot of that was for show. Like he was just kind of a sarcastic, mischievous kind of dude who, you know, liked to troll people in a very Andy Kaufman-esque kind of way. If we right. bring it back again. Yeah, um, nice. So I don't know what any of that means, um, but it's interesting, you know, especially someone who has known him for as long as – because Buzz Osborne knew him far longer than he knew Courtney Love. So he mm-hmm. knew him when they were they were kids together more or less in high I school. See. yeah. And then also grief does strange things to people. Also true. And affects the way you see the world. Um, after the thing I read, I read something a long time ago that I thought was the best analogy. And it was, um, or not analogy, but it was the best way to say it. And, uh, it was like grief is sitting by a table with your hands hovering over a phone that never rings. And, uh, that, that to me is, shows how profoundly this kind of thing can affect the way someone looks at the world. Mm-hmm. And so I'm, you know, everybody at some point in their life is, is going to go through the experience of losing people, right? And the last person you lose is yourself. It sounds like a very pessimistic bum rap the way I put it. Oh. Don't worry. A lot of great things happen in between That's a true. lot of amazing stuff, but this, this idea, you know, of someone that you, cherish passes away then of course the the natural inclination for a lot of people is to say no it's it didn't happen the way it sounds like it did point to someone else and say you did it right right? because that anger kind of gives you an outlet but let's suppose oh sorry oh no i'm saying especially if we're talking about someone like a like a rock star like an Mm -hmm. influential writer or a, a performer of some kind who just has legions of fans you that grief becomes exponentially increased and, and, and then you have all of these different perspectives that can create these various mm-hmm. 
differing scenarios as to what happened. Like, you know, it's not the same as if grandma dies and I'm sad about it. You know, my mother and father are sad about it. My family's sad about it, mm-hmm. but it's not the same as millions and millions of people being sad about it to the point of, you know, holding a vigil at you know mm-hmm. her, his or her grave. Like when a Pope passes away. Absolutely. When JFK passed away. Exactly. MLK. These are things that some listeners are probably wondering, Noel, Ben, why aren't you mentioning these? It's because right now we have, we have some stuff on those, um, on those specific instances. Uh, and you can check those out on our YouTube and uh, further down in the stream, we have audio on a few of them, I think. But for now, let's, Let's think about, I, I don't know, Noel, do you think we did okay, like, due diligence to the importance of respecting the survivors of death? I think so. Okay. I mean, and I guess my whole point was that when you're talking about somebody of this magnitude, of this larger-than-life, you know, mm-hmm. persona, the survivors are everyone. You know, yeah, that's a good point. Legion. So it's like a completely different situation. And that's why I think mm-hmm. there are many, many different um, ideas about what could Right. Happened. Different. Because you've just got all of these different hands in the, the mm-hmm. grief. Pot. Different like <laughs> narratives. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. So, okay. Well, let's suppose then in the most respectful manner possible, just for the sake of argument, that a celebrity or a head of state somehow did fake his or her death. It's the last part of our show today. We're going to talk about how to fake a death. Uh, the first things first though. The good news, I guess it's good news, is that people have successfully faked their deaths. The problem is that they usually get caught because they're, you know, they're still alive. So a good example of this is John Stonehouse. Mm -hmm. You know the story? I think you do. (laughs) It's a good one, though, if I may. Yeah, yeah, oh, please, I'd love to hear it. All right. So John Stonehouse was a British politician who got Way in over his head during uh, in his business uh, dealings, mm-hmm. and he started cooking the books and got wind that the Department of Trade and Industry was looking into his uh, into his stuff, looking into his business. Mm-hmm. So he started moving money around um, and set up a new identity as Joseph Markham. Oh, okay, okay, so. It's better. On November 20th, 1974, he faked his own suicide by leaving uh, piles of clothes on a beach and making it look like he had drowned. Uh, Pretty clear. Okay, yeah. I mean, you know, because, again, produce the body. Right. It's going to take a while. Um, he was instead on his way to Australia, actually, to make a new life with his mistress, of course. So John was eventually caught in Australia by a, a very savvy uh, banker who caught on to the fact that he was moving money around under multiple um, aliases. So uh, police first thought he was the fugitive Lord Lucan. Lucian? Yes, Lucan. I call him Lucan because it sounds more yeah. uh, evil. It does. It does but sound very mustache, Luke, probably, mustache twirling. He had a mustache. Oh, did he? Yeah. Did he twirl it, do you think, and cackle? I think he might have. You know. I want to say that he, I hope so. Yeah. He, no, I think. So um, Lucan. So Lucan, right? So um police at first thought he was this fugitive, Lord Lucan, who two weeks before Stonehouse did it, was also believed to have faked his own death. What are mm-hmm. the chances? Right. Go figure. 
So John was eventually identified by a photo of himself on a list of the recently deceased and was arrested on December 24th of 1974. Right. And like many other people who attempted to uh, fake their own death, he was uh, he was eventually caught. It's interesting because uh, there's, you know, I love unnecessary words. I know it can be your test. It could be. Oh, okay. I'm fine with it. Well, thanks, man. I've got one for you. Let's hear it. The proper term for faking your own death. Oh, I didn't even know there was such a thing. Please. Pseudocide. Like pseudonym. Oh, I. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you have to have a minute to take that one in. Pseudocide. That sounds like a metal band. <laughs> it does. It sounds like I'm pseudocidal. That is fantastic. Um, I love that. So if you want to fake your own death, that would make you pseudocidal, mm-hmm. right? Uh, okay. So there are some other people that, uh, Fake their own death with less success. So it's a guy named, uh, Stephen Chin Leung who faked his death during the September 11th attacks to evade a charge of passport fraud. And if you think about it, this is a very cold Machiavellian thing, but if you think about it, that's a, that's an opportunity to do so is in a time of national disaster, rule of law deteriorating. That's, that's one of the perfect times to, uh, fake. A death. Uh, other people have done so with much less success, often to try to bilk, you know, insurers or something like that. A guy named uh, Ken Kesey, you might remember from the electric Kool-Aid acid sure. trip. Yeah, test. Yeah, he faked his death in 1966 and went away to Mexico to avoid charges for marijuana. Great. And he came back. Again, kind of a little bit more of an understandable reason to fake your own death. If, you're, if you've got a rap that you're trying to beat, you know. Right. Sort of like uh, the equivalent of going on the lamb, but trying to make it so they don't uh, come after you. Now, one guy who uh, one guy who did get completely away though is the guy you mentioned earlier, Lord Lucan. So yeah, Lord Lucan, this British aristocrat, just completely vanished in the wee hours of November eighth, nineteen seventy four, after the death of his children's nanny and an attack on his ex wife. And he was, you know, obviously widely suspected to be mm-hmm. the murderer. Yeah. And uh, it's pretty it's pretty fair that he I think he was definitely the murderer. I would say that would seem legit. Disappearing instantly after having the means to escape. People have been trying to find sightings or people have been trying to find the guy for years and years and years. He has numerous sightings in the British yeah. media. If I may, what mm-hmm. is what a scoundrel. Yeah, what a repscallion. Scallywag. A ne'er-do-well. Indeed. <laughs> it's true. Uh, Lord Lucan, again, as... It's funny because this is in the 70s, and we're, we're talking about him like if he's like some sort of Dickensian villain. Right, yeah. But that's what it sounds like to me. It does. Lord it does. Lucan. Yes. <laughs> absconded with in a, the night. With a lead pipe. Yes. It's, yeah, it does in sound... study. It sounds like an episode, a real-life episode of Clue. Mm-hmm. So... We are going to tell you some of the things that people need to do in order to fake their own death. It's not as easy as disappearing completely. One, especially in this day and age, social media silence. None of it. None of it. Some some would say um, six months before your death or whatever, or some would say delete your accounts. Deleting your accounts is too much. Deleting your accounts is going to be suspicious. Um unless you do it four years before your plan reaches fruition. You'll probably also need uh, a friend or a partner in crime of some sort who will be able to touch on the social media nets and announce, oh, my gosh, 
Someone's missing. And, uh, oh, it just occurred to me, uh, by the way, guys, Matt is not about to fake his own death. No, we don't think so. No, no, we don't think so. We're pretty sure that's not happening. He didn't say anything to us about it. And um, there's some similar things to going off the grid, like if you want to develop an alias, one thing that people used to do is they would, um, when they were getting a utility bill or um, something that leaves a paper trail, like a credit card or something, they would change, start slowly changing their their name one letter at a time. So it'd be like Ben Boline with a G, mm-hmm. Ben uh, Boland. Uh, you know. What do you mean? You mean legally? Like, what are we talking here? No, just this. on the um, on the utility bill. I see. And start establishing that, mm-hmm. and then when you have a utility bill that establishes that kind of alias. But how can you do that? I mean, don't they require some sort of identification in order to change? Information on a utility bill. Like now that. it's much more difficult, okay. but okay. that's what people used to do. Interesting. Uh, keep the details, uh, vague, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and depends, it all depends. Are you planning to come back? Is this a stunt for like your novel or is this like a, like a David Blaine trick? Yes, yeah, a mm-hmm. David Blaine trick. Or are you planning to disappear because there are people after you and the version of you as, that you exist as now needs to die? Because that's what faking your death ultimately would be. The version of you that you are no longer exists. So, you know, how do you deal with taxes? How do you deal with rule of law, government stuff? Uh, the truth of the matter is that it's very difficult and you are overwhelmingly likely to get caught. Because after you disappear completely, right? No cell phones, no Gmail, no hanging around with people that have them. You're going to have to have an, um, uh, like massive cash. You can't use a bank account. You're going to have to slowly withdraw the cash over time. Uh, you can never use a computer again. You have to be very careful around the post. Um, and do you want to write a suicide note? Because I, I, in, if you write a suicide note and your body is not there, it's immediately a little suspicious, sure. you know? As for starting a new life, you have to be very careful. You have to change everything. You have to do a level of acting that's Daniel Day-Lewis. Right. You know? And you have to maintain mm-hmm. all of these various lies every single day, every single moment, mm-hmm. you know, from when you wake up to when you go to sleep. You're, Just, n- you're never going to have a great job again no. because you're going to have to work under the table yeah. if you, unless you have enough cash for the rest of your life. Right, which, you know, in some of these situations is, I guess, likely, but... Yeah, you're gonna have to go to some place where, uh, you're unknown and you've never been. Mm-hmm. You're gonna have to have fake identification to get you there, right? Because a lot of the places where you could just go without identification are very dangerous places, war zones. Sure. Lawless lands. Yeah. And so if you want to go to the kind of place where you would want to live after your pseudocide, then you're going to need, like, you know, um, Bill Bellamy, that's my, that'll be my, my pseudonym. From MTV, perhaps? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, I look different in person. Uh, I'll just be Bill Bellamy and go to Hong Kong or something. Oh, they might know Bill Bellamy there. They probably do. Um, I should give this a little more thought. I should really think about this. It goes back to the planning and the discipline. Uh, Noel, this is usually the time in the show where Matt and I will pause and, and hear that noise. Mm-hmm. So I've, I've got to throw the last word to you. Yeah, I mean, um, I guess 
I think we've we've hit all the points for this topic. I think it's really interesting stuff. I guess I would use this moment to just, you know, say to the listeners, um, I hope everyone's really enjoying the show. I certainly enjoy working on it, and it's been a lot of fun to be able to kind of chime in here and there. And, um, you know, like Ben and Matt always say, most of the great ideas for the show come from you guys. So, I mean, please, please, please keep that coming and let me know if there's anything that uh, you feel like the moment of with Noel could be better used for. I mean, honestly, as has been uh, made clear on the show a couple of times, I wear a lot of hats here at How Stuff Works. I uh, work on a lot of shows. I do a lot of things kind of in a mad dash multitasking kind of scenario. So sometimes my moment with Noel is uh, a bit BSy, you know, I'm just kind of talking about <laughs> oh, my car on. blowing up or what's on my mind, you know, but <laughs> I think it's fun to do. Um, Ben and Matt are, are my friends, as you can tell. I mean, I think we, we get along really well and we have a good time just chatting. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if there's something that you think, you know, you'd like to hear in that segment, um, with a little advance notice, I'm sure we could make it work. Yeah. So. Yeah. Let us, let us know because this is your show, ladies and gentlemen. And I know that we took kind of a scatter, uh, approach, right, to this, a, a buckshot approach mm-hmm. because we looked into a little bit of uh, some 101 about various multiple celebrities. Uh, if you have another celebrity that you would like us to cover, then let us know. We're on Facebook and Twitter. We're Conspiracy Stuff. Uh, you can also check out our website. And I, I, you know, we've opened a dangerous door now, Noel, because what, what are people going to write in and, and say that they want us to do? I don't know. Dramatic readings? I'm into it. Yeah. I hope you guys liked my, uh, my, uh, uh, predictive text poem on the Washington DC <laughs> episode. You know, I don't know. It's, it's a fun opportunity, uh, to kind of try new things. Mm-hmm. And like I said, I, I'm not always in a position where I can make the best use of it, I guess is what I'm getting at. So I would love to hear from you guys what you think might be some fun things that we could use that spot for. Yeah, and we'll try it out. Uh, and let's get weird with it. So we're going to uh, skedaddle. We're going to mosey on out of here, but we will not, uh, unless you have different weekend plans, we're not going to fake our deaths. We'll be back uh, the same bat time, same bat channel next week. And in the meantime, if you have suggestions for a future show, if you have feedback for something else that you would like to hear, uh, or if you just want to send us a random hello, uh, we'd love to hear from you. Our email address is conspiracy at howstuffworks.com. more on this topic and other unexplained phenomena, visit youtube.com slash conspiracy stuff. You can also get in touch on Twitter at the handle at conspiracy stuff. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, 
We've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality potency and consistency scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality visit lazarusnaturals.com today lazarus naturals committed to improving your life as well as the world around you not available in idaho iowa or south dakota 